So we're going to talk about Isaiah 61, that there is an awakening that has happened. In fact, the awakening has come. And so I want you, if you will, turn to Isaiah 61, and then we're also going to look at Luke 4. So we're going to, we're going to go between, between those two. But um, Isaiah 61 is very important. In fact, I love the book of Isaiah. I studied the book of Isaiah for about a year um, when I was in Kansas City because it also, um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that the book of Isaiah talks about. But one of the particular things, it talks about the first coming of Christ. We'll see that in Isaiah 9, which we'll be focusing on because it's more about the holiday season. It's coming up. And um, then we also have the second coming of Christ. And as well, it's, we, we have between when he was born as a baby, what his, what his appointment would be on the earth, and what is to come is all seen in the book of Isaiah. A lot of people don't look at Isaiah as a book, almost like Revelation, but it kind of details from the promises of him coming, what he will do while he's here, and what he's going to do when he comes. And so this is why the book of Isaiah is super important, and we're going to see why Jesus even quotes this book. Um, but one of the reasons we're doing this today, too, as we know, I saw it scared me. I'm going to tell you, it scared me, it scared me, it scared me. I saw on Facebook that there are only 11 weeks till Christmas. It scared me because I thought, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know how quick that will come? I thought we have, whether we know it or not, we have entered into that season. We are only two months away from Christmas. So you better start saving your money now for all the people you have to buy for. Start getting the goods. I know one thing. If you do wish.com, please order it now because it comes from China and you won't get it until Christmas at this point. So I, I ordered things two months ago, almost two months ago now, and I'm just now getting them. So uh, one thing, I have to be honest, and it's funny how you order something and then you're like, it's totally not what it looks like. So I ordered this big bottle, okay? Of, I, have, I have these dents in my car. So I'm like, okay, and I got, I was like, oh, that's a great price. It was like $2 for this big bottle of scratch debt. So my mom's like, oh, you got mail. And then I thought, well, what is that? One, it was, it was, I knew what it was, and it was exactly what I ordered. So I look at it, and it hits me. It's the dent taker outer. The bottle was this big. <laughs> And I thought, I thought that's what I get from ordering from China, you know? That's what I get. That's what I get. You know, now it's overpriced. I went, I paid $2 for that. You know, it's funny when you pay for this, you're like, oh, I got a deal, $2. Then I was like, I paid $2 for that. I went, oh, well, you know? So with that, we're entering into the season where we're more reflective about Jesus anyways. We're more reflective about why he came and what he came. And the good thing, he's not like wish.com. That he's not lesser than the, than what you think he is. He's bigger than what you could hope he could be or imagined. And so, um, so in the midst of doing this, we also are going to be reflecting, like, what is the purposes of Jesus coming? You know, this is a great time because um, for all of us in this room, we are looking at the reason for the season. You know, um, we, we still don't know the reason for Black Friday, but we do know the reason for the season. Okay. Um, other than consumerism in, in which we see in our, in our culture today. And so we are going to look right now um, at Isaiah 61. And I love this. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for all who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities. They have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work for your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. One of my favorites in seven. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will receive, re, rejoice in your inheritance. And you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. We're going to stop right there for right now. I went a little bit more than um, what most people would go into, but I, I love the whole picture of this story of restoration. We see it starting in the heart. You know, I came to restore the brokenhearted, you know, and, and even looking at their situations, you know, for those who are in captivity, I'm going to give liberty, you know, for those who sit in darkness, there will be light. There's, there's a situation of a problem and a response that we see in this, first starting in the heart. But then he also touches the external things in their life, from the things in their personal life that are devastated, from the areas of their home life, in the area of the territory around them, that God is also saying, not only will I restore you, I will restore everything connected to you, from your home, to the place that you live, to the city that you dwell in. I think that that is a huge promise that when God touches us, because the big lie of the enemy is, does God really care? And how many times has the enemy tried to tell that to us? You know, we're going through a hard time, or we see someone going through a hard time, and we go, God, do you really care? But if, it, if we know anything is true, it's this in this moment that God not only cares, but not only does he want to heal the situation, he wants to heal everything touching that situation as well. And that's the God that we have. So let's turn to Luke 4. And we're going to, and this, if this is any proof to you that he cares, let this be it right here. Now, Jesus has just left being tempted by the enemy. Okay, so he's in the wilderness, and of course, he's being tempted by Satan to surrender to him, to bow down to him, to basically abort the plan. So think about that. He's giving an opportunity. The enemy is going, abort your, the plan of God and to go into this direction where it will be easier for you, Jesus. All you have to do is surrender to me. Because he knew that Jesus is faced already with the high price that is going to take to f commit his father's will to him, and which is going to be his life. And, not, and I think that we just think that he's just going to die. But you have to understand, Jesus is about to take on the sins of the world. We only know our own sins. And sometimes our sins are a burden to us. Can you imagine that I think the, the cross wasn't, 
I don't actually think, because he knew to have death is to be present with his father. I actually don't think that that was 100% that he was scared to die. I think people think, oh, they were just, you know, he was scared to die. Well, for him to be to, to die is to be with the father. So th- that would be a homegoing for him. But the weight of him taking on the sins of the world, he is, he is being given an opportunity to avoid taking on the ultimate price. To, for the one who has been pure, who has not known any sin to become sin for us, that is a big um, thing, you know, that undertaking that I think that we don't know. So every sickness is laid upon him. Every, I mean, think about the worst thing that you could think of is sin. Every sins of every murderer, you know, from every, every one of those things are about to be put upon Jesus. And Jesus knows that now that he has set his course, this is what he's going to do. So he rejects that plan of the enemy. He says, I will not go the easy way. And particularly, I will not bow down to you. But in, the, in this part, he goes, but my father says, but my father says in his word, it is written, it is written, it is written. And in this, he takes a defiant stance. And then in this moment of weakness, we know that the Holy Spirit comes ministers to, and the angels minister to him and the Holy Spirit just quickens him as well. So what would be his next response? After going through this, after being tempted in his identity, being tempted of why he came, what does Jesus do? Let's look in Luke 14. Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news spread about him through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And here we see it again. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim for the prisoners and recoveries for the sight of the blind, to, um, set free the, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes, uh, can you imagine, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they they asked? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself and you will tell me, do here in your hometown, what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that you um, that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill to which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff when he walked right through the cloud and went on his way. Now, I say this whole thing because I'm, I'm going I'm to hit the response to this. Now, like I said, after being tempted by the enemy... 
on his own identity, I love that the first thing Jesus comes to do is to make clear what his identity is, to make clear who he is and what he's going to accomplish. That is my favorite thing about Jesus is that he says, the enemy tried to get me to get out of this, but let me tell you, I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to speak with my own words what I came to do. And I think that's why in other translations it says, who is this? That he, like he didn't speak it like the scribes. There was something more to when Jesus said this. Well, and the fact when he said this has been fulfilled, I'm sure they were kind of like, what do you mean this has been fulfilled in our sight today? So because what does this mean? Because I'm sure when he sat there, you know, the Spirit of the Lord, he is proclaimed to preach the good news, to pray freedom for the prisoners. When he said it, there was people still sitting there bound. Amen. So when he's saying, well, how has this been fulfilled? You know, there's still people sitting in the room sick. There's still people sitting in the room bound. So for them, they probably thought, well, how is this fulfilled? How have you done this? But he really was there in that moment going, the kingdom has come to you this day to bring healing to you. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And it is being accomplished right before your sight. And so in the midst of this, there was a, a response to the human heart that they had to give as humans, that they were fascinated with his words, but they also took what was supernatural and made it about his natural. You know, they said, well, isn't this Joseph's son? Who is he to speak like that to us? You know, they had become so familiar with Jesus that they couldn't think that he could do anything above than what their eyes had already seen of him. And so that's, that, I think that is the, and then they became offended at what he said that he could do above and beyond because they were so familiar with what they had known of Jesus already. And, and I think that that has been a thing that the enemy has tried to get us. So if not, if God doesn't just care, we get so normalized with what Jesus has done that we don't think he could do anything above what we could see or ask. But Jesus is saying, whatever you think, I can do all things. And really at that moment, they had an option as we all do to believe. And that's all that Jesus wants with all of us. It's not that you have to, you know, be the, guess what? None of us are good people. I know people go, well, they were a good person. And I, and I grew up thinking I was a good person. And I really thought when I grew up being a good person got me to heaven. I really did. And it doesn't. Because guess what? We're all dead in our trespasses. Just like, like Adam. Adam was good. If anybody was good, it was Adam. But you think his choice of rebellion that infected all of us made it now that if we're just good, we get to heaven? That makes no sense. That's been a lie of the enemy for years. Because guess what? It took the redemption of blood. Because what the enemy tried to do in the wilderness was get him to avoid the cross. Because guess what? If he avoids the cross, then you are going to stay bound. It was about, he made it about Jesus. Jesus, you don't want to do it. Because guess what? It's like, it was kind of like Pharaoh, you know? Let my people go. You know, Jesus came to let his people free. To avoid the cross is for Jesus to be free, but not you or me. We would stay dead in our trespasses. No matter how good we were, no matter how kind we are, it's not our kindness or our goodness. Now, we should be kind and we should be good, but we have to have redemption. And, and any other way to get it, we avoid the cross ourselves, you know, through self-help. And I'm, I'm not against those things altogether, but any other way through him doing the work inside of us will only be a temporary fix. Because even if Jesus avoided the cross, 
There, we, would, we would just continue to die in our trespasses, no matter what we tried to do, no matter what animal sacrifices we gave. That was the problem, is that the sins of an animal covered for so long, it could only take pure, eternal blood to set us free once and for all. And so Jesus is coming to set us free. God is, Jesus is saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. And so I want us to look at some of these things that he says he's going to do for us and what he has done in our midst, because guess what? It's today. Now, when it says the year of the Lord's favor, that means jubilee. If you know what jubilee is, it is the greatest year of the church. Jubilee meant for them that all of their debts were canceled. Every single debt that they owed somebody, it was completely forgiven. I mean, wouldn't that be great if all of our credit card debt was forgiven? <laughs> I mean, and let's be honest, what I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, what year, wait, how close are we to Jubilee? So like, man, I'm really wanting a yacht this year. <laughs> if that debt could be forgiven, you know, I mean, let's be honest, I would be doing a shopping spree, running up that credit, knowing that I was going to get free from that credit any soon, you know, and because... Credit is a burden. It really is. It, it, there's a, it's a burden that we can't really repay. I mean, let's be honest. I think I'm going to spend $100 on my credit card. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, minimum payment of $10. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, let's be honest. I don't pay it quite off all the time. So with all of that, Jesus is saying every debt today is forgiven. Every sin committed, forgiven. It is the year of Jubilee. That every single thing that has been committed, you don't have to wait anymore for the certain moment in the certain year, which was 70 years. Every 70 years, deaths were forgiven. For most of us, that is our entire lifetime. You don't, we're not gonna, we're gonna have that only once in a lifetime opportunity to have that. And then after that, you're on your own again. But Jesus is saying, let me proclaim to you, this is every day now. This is every day where the, the slate is going to be washed clean every day. That whatever thing that you have built up is going to be cleaned every day. What an amazing gift. Because we know that this was a burden. This was a burden. This was a burden that nobody could pay and that nobody could do. And they had to wait for one particular moment. Think about that. Thinking about only one year of your life, you would be completely free. Out of all the years of your living, one year. And Jesus is basically saying, I'm here to say it's every day. So when he says that, that's a big deal. Um, so I want to establish what Jubilee is, because when he says this is the Lord's favor, that's exactly what it means. He says he binds up the brokenhearted. Isaiah's, and, and Isaiah, um, he's speaking to the people who are about to see their nation topple. The temple will be demolished. Everything they knew would be gone. Would God be their helper in that day? Does he care about what I'm going through? The message of Isaiah is he will be there to bind up the wounds of your heart. He cares. He knows what you're going through. He will be there for you. And even on a deeper level, a spiritual level, this speaks to those who are broken over their sin, grieved over what they have done to God and against God. God, can you forgive me? Will he take me in when he knows what I've been doing, been saying and been thinking? Yes. And let me say this too. I'm, I'm going to speak to brokenheartedness on two levels real quickly. Um, brokenheartedness, I think, is the things that we go through in life that are just devastating. Whether it's loss, whether it's dreams that you've had and they never came to pass. 
you know, whether it's a, a relationship that has faltered in your life. Um, I think that if, if I said, what is brokenheartedness to you? Every single person in this room would tell a different story of brokenheartedness. Um, and and it, would, it would have tons of levels to that brokenheartedness as well. And so when Jesus is saying brokenheartedness, I want you to think of those things. But also when he's saying brokenheartedness, he also, like it says, the nation was about to topple. The temple was demolished. Everything they knew would be gone. And I think that there's a brokenheartedness that comes when things in our lives become devastated. Whether it's from our nation, whether it's from the things happening in our city, in our homes, things all around us that are happening that can, that can break our heart as well. And so Jesus is talking about the individual and, like I said, everything that's touching that individual. From the region that they live in to every single thing that might break that person, that might oppress that person. And he's going to bind up. To bind up, I mean, it's almost like a capturing. It's like, you know, when you bind something up. But it, we think it isn't that he's just gathering it. He is going to make it as if it's brand new. He is going to take that heart that is broken and he's going to fill in all the places with himself. With himself and restore it. He will set captives free. I love it. He says, he, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners for the people in Judah. Um, and these are people that were, that it's kind of complex. You know, the, these are even people in that time that were captives that were, that were even away from their families. You know, that they were being brought into captivity, that actually that captivity separated them from their family. It separated them from the life that they knew. Um, yeah, hold on. I want to make sure I get that right. Um, yeah, so he sets the captives free, um, and that there was those who were being put in a, a, a foreign land, you know, being taken to a foreign land in captivity. And the one thing about captivity is that we, we all have faced areas in our personal life that have held us captive. Um, whether it's from, it, it can seem seemingly small as, you know, being materialistic, I'll just say that, um, to more things like alcoholism or other things that we see in people's life that still captivate them, that still bind them. And you know what's interesting is that when we live in captivity, it does the same thing as normal captivity. It begins to isolate us at times from relationships. It tends to um, put us in a foreign place in our mental and in our heart that we go, man, that's just, how did I get here? You know, what did, what, what's happening to me? Why did I become like this? It, it alters, it starts to alter your personality. I mean, you've seen people who are bound and you go, man, by a certain thing, and they become a different person based on the thing that's bound to them. And that is not what God wants to do. He wants to set free those who are captivity for those who have been transformed by the hardship, who have been transformed by the pain, who have looked for freedom in a different way and now become captive to the thing that they thought would save them. And God is coming to do that. And he wants to restore what has been taken away. I love that when he says, when he restores, um, he proclaims the Lord's favor. He gives a reference to Jubilee in that every provision of the law that came, that slaves were be, to be set free in Jubilee, all debts were canceled and all land sold or taken, the debt was returned. It would be, it, it would be the greatest celebration. And so God is restoring all things, restoring all things. And this is why it's good news. 
that every single person has the good news that the year of Jubilee is now here. He has now come and he will set his people free. Not only does he want to, he's willing to. So how do we receive this? Now, all, of course, we already know receiving Jesus in our heart. But there's so many of us that have received Jesus in our heart and we're going, okay, apparently I'm still walking through this because I still feel bound. I'm still facing captivity in my life. Like, what am I missing? And I think that the that in the belief system, that there are some things Jesus does within a moment. But just like these people, when he proclaimed it, it has been done in your sight, I realize there's still people sitting there who are going, well, I'm still, whether they knew this or not, well, I'm still bound. I'm still not like this. And it came to them a walk with him. And they didn't get it. In fact, it offended them because the first thing they response is, isn't this Joseph's son? And that says to me that what Jesus wanted was the relationship of going, can I do this in you? And they almost made it like, well, God, I don't think you can, you can't do that. You're just this in my life. And I, and I, and, and, and the response, instead of going with him, they became offended by him. And, um, and in our walk to get free, it is that daily walking in the word with him. It's that daily renewing our mind and spending time with him. And I think oftentimes we just want God to do something for us and we don't do our part in the walk. And in our walk is just to go, you know what? When a thought enters my mind and you, I can't remember the statistics, like a thousand thoughts go through our mind every day. And we have a choice every day to agree with that thought or reject that thought. And in that, I have to take his word and go, what is the truth about what he says about me? And what am I going to make agreement? Because whether I feel like it or not, this is the truth of who I am. And so many times I go, okay, in the midst of grief, you are close to the broken heart. In the midst of pain, you are close to me. That no matter what today, when the enemy says you're not near, you are close to me, Jesus. That I will press in because I know that you're near. That that's what God wants with us is go, do you believe that I'm near? Will you agree that I'm near? Do you want to agree with me today that I can bind your broken heart? Do you want to agree with me today that I can set the captive free? Because he wants to bring liberty and he will bring instantaneous liberty. But there is sometimes something we have to walk out with him by every day agreeing with it. Because guess what? If the miracle happens and it doesn't change your mind, then it's not a miracle. If God brings a miracle and you get set free, but your mind is still set in an old pattern way of thinking, you are not set free. And so God is not just trying to liberate you. He's trying to change your mind. To repent actually means a changing of the mind, not just a changing of the heart. And so every day we have to renew our mind about what is true about us because the enemy is speaking just like he was to Jesus in the wilderness saying, do you believe? Do you believe? Get out, don't go a different way than the cross because every day we have to die daily to our flesh. Just like Paul says, I die daily with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live the life I live. I live by faith in the son of God. And so every day I have to crucify everything that I know is a lie, but it's trying to tell me this is my reality. And it's not my reality because freedom is my reality. Healing is my reality. And it's every day, not just believing it, but renewing my mind and going, this is the truth. And let me tell you, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, as it says. But when you hear the word and you start to agree with it, you start to change. Miracles start to take place in you. Things in your life start to change around you. 
You see from his perspective. And when you see from his perspective, it is totally different because in the midst of a nation toppling, Jesus is able to come to a place and say, this is the year of Jubilee. And they're going, how can it be Jubilee when there's Roman rule, when we're the most oppressed we've ever been? And in that oppressive atmosphere, he's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And those who followed him were free. And those who did it were bound until their death. So Jesus can be in the midst and people can choose to be bound because they won't walk with him all the way. Because they wanted the the miracle of the 5,000 loaves, but they weren't willing to walk with him to the cross. And And that's today. We have to go beyond the provision of going, God, will you just provide with me? Provide for me and I'm going to walk with you all the way. There's a difference. Because 5,000 stood around him that day and believed he could do miracles. But there was only a handful of his disciples around the cross who still believed that he could do more and above what he asked God or imagined. And so for a year, this is Jubilee. This is a year that all debts have been forgiven. We're going into a season where it's the reason of the season. Well, that's Jubilee. We have Jubilee all around us. Every day, it's Jubilee. And this isn't, and just so you know, this isn't a you got to do better kind of a sermon. This isn't more than anything that going, Jesus just wants us to believe that he loved us enough to die for us. He loves us, you enough, that he wants to walk with you every day. So I think that's the lie of the enemy, that he just died for your sins, but he doesn't want to be in the everyday with you. That's not true. Because you can't, we can't just do good works and think that's just pleasing to God. If he doesn't hear your voice in your heart every day, it's nothing to him. Because it's the relationship day in and day out that that's where he meets us. Because guess what? He doesn't, he's, he's looking for people that he can free. We're, and we can't free ourselves. He's looking to bind up our broken hearts. He knows that when we try to bind it up ourselves, we get into more brokenheartedness. There's no way into freedom other than him. There's no relationship in your life that will heal it. There's no, there's nothing. There's no, there's no drink in this world that will fix it. I mean, I love television and I love everything that's going to make me thinner. And I have tried half of them. And here I am today. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. So, I, so you know, there's, there is a fact that I know what I need to do, and there is no shortcut to get there. And, and in the way of all of us, if we want to be healed, if we want to walk with him, if you want to be free, if you want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you, there's no escaping the cross. There's no escaping of our flesh dying daily and saying yes to him every day. There's no, thing, there's no other way than what Jesus said. If you want to follow after me, you have to take up your cross and follow after me. And that was every day that they had to take up that cross and follow after him. And that's the same for us today is that there is a year, the year of Jubilee is here, but it won't come any other way than us saying, Jesus, I can't do it without you. There's no way of us doing it without going every day. I'm going to wake up and agree with what you say over my life. There's no way I can do this without fully submitting myself and saying, have your way in me, Jesus. Because if you're doing it, if any of us are doing it without relationship with him, then we will always find, find ourselves falling short. And so that's, this is the way. This is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. So today, I want to tell you there's Jubilee. And I want to tell you, I have a ring now of Jesus from China on my finger. Um, 
he kind of looks like a Chinese Jesus too. I can't lie, but um, <laughs> but but you know what? I wore this because I, it, it reminds me, and I and it, it's my reminder to you too is that I mean Jesus is as close to you as the skin on you. Jesus loves you enough that he died on the cross. And this isn't for you to get saved unless you want to get saved today, but this is just a reminder to you today is that Jesus is as close to you as the skin on you. Every day that you have breath, it's a breath that he has given to you, that he has given life to you. If you don't believe that Jesus wants you free, then you wouldn't be not just in this room today, but you wouldn't be alive today. That Jesus has a plan and purpose for you that is beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. With every breath you have, you have purpose. But the number one purpose of your life isn't ministry. It isn't about who you will reach and save for Jesus, though that should be a priority in our life. The number one reason you have breath is because he, he wants a relationship with you every day. And this is the thing that I have to sign myself up for every day is that everything that hinders me from him, I want it gone from my life. Everything that makes me stop being in his word, I want it out of my life because there is no true living connected from the one who gives life. There is no other way. But let me tell you, I and I'm going to end with this illustration, then we'll close. When I was um, about 13 years old, I was I played softball a lot. Um, in fact, I was going to go play softball for um, high school, and I did high school. It was, like, weird. I did high school, and I did, like, this random team at the same time. And I was learning how to do fastball because I had just gone into um, – from slow pitch most of my life. And so they decided to make me a catcher, which I never had been ever. And I don't know why they thought it was a good idea. Um, but I, it was the first time I was ever going to be a catcher. And so I didn't have my glove on, and I wasn't paying attention, and the girl released the ball. Well, I caught it with my hand, um, which was quite phenomenal. But in doing so, I dislocated my finger. Um, and I actually, I remember, I didn't actually feel the dislocation at first. Um, and it was until I looked down and I saw that my knuckle was below my skin. I went, oh, I think something happened. Well, my skin was still there. I don't want you to think that my skin wasn't there. But um, I saw it was sinking and my dad was there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, um, I thought, I think this is kind of serious. And I had never had it. And so, but it actually didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. It was numb. And so um, I remember I took, I was with my dad and my dad was like, we got to get you to the ER right now. And so we went, and it, it was like we sat there for an hour, and nobody came and saw me. And my dad was, like, mad. I'll just say that is a very kind way to say it. My dad was beyond mad, but he was mad. So he said, give me her x-rays, and we're getting out of here. And, you know, so I'll never forget it. Uh, on the west side, you know, Big Bear. That's not Big Bear anymore. We went into Big Bear, and my dad got, like, this, I, I say a little kit, but he got, like, popsicle stick <laughs> and then like wrapping stuff and so I will never forget he said I'm gonna put this back in place for you and so um so he said on three and so I thought said one two and he did it on two because he knew that I would you know <laughs> he knew better so he wasn't gonna wait till three so and so he was like one two and I went oh and the pain of being for it going back into place was actually worse than it being disconnected and I remember I thought, I thought, why did, I thought, could we have left it disconnected? Because it hurt so much more being put back in place than it did being disconnected. And, but I, it was a moment to me that spoke to me of, of two things and why I'm saying that to you. Sometimes when we're dislocated, 
sometimes we're, it kind of puts us out of touch of reality. And when God puts us back in touch of reality, it's painful because he will not let us stay in pain. Uh, or he will, there's a deeper pain that was happening in my body than the pain of being actually put back together. And when he puts us back together, sometimes the pain is more intense because he's actually healing us. And so for me, my healing came when it was actually put back in place than it was from being disconnected. And I realized in, the, in, in all of our lives that sometimes it can feel like numbing ourselves because it feels like it's the easiest way. But actually, if I would have stayed like that, that it would have ruined my hand, obviously. It wouldn't have been attractive. Um, I wouldn't be able to wear a ring on my finger. But it would have been long-lasting damage than, than my dad putting it back in place. And then secondly is that only a father can put back in place what he knows is not right. And, and to me, my dad knew what to do. I mean, even though I had doctors and professional help and all that stuff that was there, it was a moment that actually became a dad and daughter moment more than I ever thought it would be is when my dad put my finger back in place. So it's kind of cool because I go, my dad put my finger back in place. Um, but there's, there's only a relationship with the father that can make you whole. And, and having that relationship with the father is what brings our healing. And so if, it, if my dad, a doctor could have put it back in place and I went and went on my way. But when my dad also put it back in place, there was a love that my father gave to me that I knew that he was doing it because he, he knew that this wasn't good for me if it was out of place. And, and for all of us, there is a relationship with God the Father that he is doing this. When Jesus came and said, this is who I was, who I am, he wasn't just doing it as God. He was doing it as the Father who wanted to restore all of us and said, I'm choosing not to do this a different way. But we have to choose not to do it a different way as well if we want to be whole. So, all right. Well, let's pray and, um, and we'll end there. Jesus, we come today with our lives, and we say that we thank you that this is our jubilee, that you came to restore the brokenhearted, that you came to mend what was broken, that you set free the captives today. Lord, this is the year of jubilee, and Lord, I'm just asking today that you would mend us. And Lord, um, I just ask that you would just speak to us now that you are the Father who is coming to align everything in our lives, that in the midst of the pain that it might bring up, that we trust you with the pain because it's for our healing, that there is pain that is for our healing. And Lord, I just ask that you would just touch us and restore us today. And while our eyes are closed, I always want to do this as a response. You're, I'm not looking at you. I really am not. But today, I want you to make a response because Jesus has given the response. Here I am. Do you want healing? Do you need your heart mended? What do you need today? Come and ask of me. And if you are willing to say, Jesus, whatever it is that you know, nobody else knows in this room, whether it's something that's brokenhearted in you, whether it's something you would like to see changed in your life, or you're going, man, there's a captivity that I don't talk about, but I want God to fix today. Or if it's going, God, there's people in my life, I need you to touch them today. I just want you to put your hands out in front of you, and I want you to give it to Jesus today. So if that's you today, if you're willing to say, Jesus, like I said, this is just between you and Jesus right now. I, th I always say it's a step of faith of going, I'm really giving it to you today. I'm not going to walk out of here today with it. God, that I'm going to trust you today with it. Then I'm going to follow you all the way, Jesus, with it. So if that's you today, just put your hands out in front of you. Nobody's looking. It's just between you and Jesus right now. Between you and Jesus right now. We say today is the day. That all that has been broken is mended. 
We say today is the day that all captives are set free. We say today is a day of liberty and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Father, we say that those are taken from life, um, from death into life today. We thank you that today that there is freedom and liberty that only you can give. And we say we will follow you, Jesus, all the way. All the way, Jesus, we will follow you. Here's our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our spirit. You know them better than we know ourselves. So just like I gave my finger to my father and said, I trust you that even though it's dislocated for you to put it back in place, even if it causes pain, we say, Jesus, we know that you are here to heal us and you're not against us, that you're here to restore all that's been stolen, all that's been taken, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, with